Martin Odegaard's been in superb form of late. On today's podcast, we're going to discuss the tactical tweak Mikel Arteta's made in order to unlock his skipper's full potential once again. Plus, we're going to take your thoughts and questions from the live chat. Don't go anywhere. You're with us live on another episode of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Hope you're all good. Hope you're all well. Welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast, part of the 90 Min football family with me, your host, Harry Simi. We've got lots to get into. We're going to be doing a bit of a tactical analysis on this episode, and we're going to focus on the role of Arsenal's Norwegian captain, Martin Odegaard. I think it's clear for everybody to see that over the last few weeks, he has been in inspired form. The guy is a super talent. We all know that. I think from the day he walked in at Arsenal, a lot of us felt that there was clearly something about him. There was something special about this player. The question was, could we unlock the real Martin Odegaard? Could we extract the maximum out of this clearly very, very talented player who'd maybe gone into his shell a little bit at Real Madrid, given that things didn't work out the way he would have dreamed when he made that move at just 16 years old. During his time at Arsenal, I think his influence has grown year on year. I think he's got better and better. And last season, he was outstanding. This season, I think he's been great. But there was a point, I think, earlier on in the season where we were looking at Martin Odegaard's performances and thinking they're just not quite where they were last year. Now, Martin Odegaard's not alone in that. There are a number of players in this group that you were looking at maybe three, four weeks ago and thinking, just haven't managed to hit the same heights that you did last season. And the reset that Arsenal have clearly had in Dubai uh, during the winter break, I think has made the world of difference. The players are doing a lot of the same things, were doing a lot of the same things, even in that period where maybe some of us were looking at it and going, it's not quite right at the minute. But the manager has clearly been thinking, has clearly been working on different ways of doing things different solutions, different ways of attacking different problems because Arsenal are facing different problems. The the first half of last season was Arsenal playing brilliantly and everybody looking at them and going, bloody hell, they're on fire at the moment, but it's going to drop off. They're going to level out at some point. You know, you'll see the Arsenal that we've come to know over the last sort of decade come back into into the fore and, and they'll sort of you know, revert back to type, as people would have probably put it at that point. But Arsenal kept going, kept going, kept going. And of course, when we got to the business end of the season, the last eight to 10 games or whatever it was, we started to fall away, not because we couldn't score goals, not because we weren't a good attacking force, but because we lost some key personnel in defensive areas. And in my opinion, that massively, massively cost us. You get to the end of the season, But you can't rest on your laurels. You can't think that the following campaign is going to be the same. Because now, all of a sudden, there's an expectation around Arsenal. Arsenal are expected to go out there and beat pretty much everybody in the Premier League, barring maybe Manchester City and maybe Liverpool. Other teams look at this Arsenal side now and pay them way more respect than they would have done 12 months ago. So we're facing 
different tactical problems. The amount of times we've faced the low block this season has been incredible. And we've had to find different solutions in order to try and break those low blocks down. We've had to tweak the way we build up. We've had to take more risks with regards to pushing extra bodies into attacking positions. And that can leave you vulnerable and susceptible to counterattacks. Mikel Arteta's had to consider that as well. And Martin Odegaard is certainly not alone when it comes to players who you looked at last season and thought were amazing out of this world and who at points this season haven't looked at their brilliant best. Now, when you look at the statistics, distances covered, number of key passes, that type of thing, Martin Odegaard's pretty much performing at a similar level to the level at which he was performing last season. But he hasn't been able to score as many goals. He hasn't been able to win as many games and he hasn't been able to influence results, I don't think, in the same way this season. But it was that down to him or was that down to the fact that we'd maybe been sussed out a little bit? And is the reason that you're seeing the best version of Martin Odegaard now a coincidence? No, it's not. It's because of a tactical tweak that Mikel Arteta has made that, in my opinion, particularly in the last two weeks, has made the world of difference. We're going to get into that. We're going to break it all down on this episode of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Don't forget to leave a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel if you're watching us on YouTube. If you're listening on audio, please do leave us a review. Let's say a few uh, hellos uh, to some of you joining us in the live chat. We've got uh, Temi who says that the golden stake in Dubai clearly worked. Uh, Chad says, uh, cheers from Tulsa. Good to see you, mate. Canterbury Guna joins us. He says, evening, everyone. It's Champions League week. Don't forget you'll be able to catch our Champions League preview, preview of our fixture with FC Porto. Uh, we'll be talking about the round of 16 generally as well. That will be with you around about mid-morning on Tuesday, and it will be available here on YouTube but of course, wherever you get your podcasts too. Uh, big hello to BX Gunner. We've got John, we've got Matt, we've got Aaron, we've got Daniel, we've got Ian. Lots and lots of you with us. Riley is with us too. Um, Damien says that uh, you must tell the viewers to come out of the live chat and like the podcast. If you could do that as well, that would be great. Um, <laughs> Clock and Seb says, if you think this, as in Odegaard's upturn in form, is for any reason other than Cedric, you don't know football. Love that. Love that. Uh, Daniel says, Odegaard is just brilliant. Unbelievable talent and a fantastic leader. Madrid must be kicking themselves. Absolutely. Matt says, uh, he's got a question actually, Matt, and, and I'll, I'll pop a star on that and I'll come back to it uh, a little bit uh, a little bit later. Uh, Rob says, if it isn't going well for anybody, go to Dubai. Yeah, it seems to make the world a difference doesn't it? It's probably those uh, steaks that they had in that fancy restaurant that everybody was moaning about and outraged about on social media. And a big hello to Shabihi as well, who joins us from California. Okay, let's go over to the trusty tactics board. What's the tweak? What has Mikel Arteta done differently in recent weeks that has seen us unlock the full potential of Martin Odegaard once again? Let's have a look. So, I want to start off by comparing the role that Martin Odegaard plays now to the role that he played last season, because I think the two roles are quite different, actually. If you go back to last season, where Thomas Partey was generally the base of the midfield, where he had Granit Xhaka to his left, playing predominantly as an eight, but also being a player who was well aware of 
you know, the demands of playing as a six. Granit Xhaka would by default at times drop into that hole alongside Thomas Partey and the pair of them in certain game states could become a double pivot. Granit Xhaka was also tasked with filling in holes that Zinchenko left as an inverted fullback and as somebody who's very, very adventurous in his positioning. But of course, Mikel Arteta lost Granit Xhaka in the summer and he decided to sign Declan Rice and Kai Havertz in order to try and bolster that midfield. He also banked on having Thomas Partey available, but that's not been the case. And as a result, the balance of Arsenal's midfield now, in comparison to last season, looks very, very different. So how has Martin Odegaard's role changed specifically? Well, last season, Martin Odegaard had the freedom of the midfield. He could go wherever he wanted. He could go out to the right-hand side, along with Bukayo Saka. He could get close to the striker and it wasn't a problem. Hell, if he even wanted to, he could drift out to the left-hand side. He didn't do that very often because of how uh, congested it would be in that area for Arsenal. But Martin Odegaard essentially was the spare midfielder. And when Granit Xhaka was the one playing in the role that is now on this screen occupied by Kai Havertz, he would be the one that would patrol this type of area, allowing Zinchenko to get forward, but also providing support to the number six, who was, of course, Thomas Partey. So Martin Odegaard, of the three, had the least responsibility defensively. This season, the balance has shifted. In comes Kai Havertz. Now, for what it's worth, I don't think Kai Havertz would have played as an eight all season long had Thomas Partey been fit. I think there are a lot of games in which Mikel Arteta would have preferred to have Rice and Partey with Odegaard being the third midfielder. But the situation we found ourselves in has demanded and dictated that Kai Havertz has probably played a lot more in that position than the plan was, essentially. And that has changed the balance. Kai Havertz, who is a more forward-thinking player naturally has been pushed into a role where he is often um, supporting the centre-forward, where he's often the one, sometimes even rotating with the centre-forward, offering Arsenal that option of going a little bit more direct because of his size, frame and stature. Kai Havertz often moves from midfield into the forward line. But you can't leave Declan Rice completely isolated as bloody great as he is. And so Martin Odegaard has had to take more defensive responsibility. And often you will find, if you look back at games this season, his starting positions have been a lot deeper. Now, part of this is to do with the way we invert our fullbacks. One of the, the common things that we saw from uh, Mikel Arteta's side last season was this willingness to push on the left back. But then that did mean a slight shift was required across the back line and in front of the back line in order to protect us against the transitions. So what did that look like last season? Last season, it looked like this. The left back, who I'm using at the moment as, as Jakob Kivior, would drift into midfield alongside the six and the back three would spread across the pitch like that. Gabriel, Saliba and White. And being three big centre-backs, all really comfortable on the ball. They were pretty well suited to doing that role. Arsenal then had Zinchenko in the midfield alongside Thomas Partey, and that meant that the two eights could move into that forward line. And at times, Arsenal would have an attacking five and a defensive five. Martinelli and Saka would hold the width. Odegaard and Xhaka last season would occupy the half spaces with the central area being occupied by Gabriel Jesus most of the time. 
But of course, the problem with that is that for whoever plays as the right-sided player, they are, you know, often required to just be a little bit more alert and a little bit more switched on with regards to what's going the other way. Now, given that Kai Havertz is never going to be a defensive thinking player, which means you can't really compare him to Granit Xhaka, the whole balance and the whole dynamic in that midfield has shifted. It has changed. Let's take it on to how it looks a bit more uh, like this season, because at times this season, we've seen Zinchenko again go into the midfield and we've seen Havertz go up into the forward line, but people have sussed it out. People have realised what we want to do. People have realised that Arsenal want to attack with this front five. And at times, Martin Odegaard, as a result, has had to drop that little bit deeper and protect the midfield just a bit more. Now, the fact that we play with the left-sided player as the one that inverts quite a bit means that Gabriel has to shift across, Saliba has to shift across, White has to shift across. And all of a sudden, the team just can at times feel a little bit weak in the wider areas. As time's gone on, Arsenal have realised, the Mikel Arteta's realised, that if Kai Havertz pushes up, that if you're playing with a left-back who can't invert in the same way. And I'm pointing out Jakob Kivio here, not because I think he's a bad player, but I think we can all agree he's not been able to invert in the same way. And because everybody knows that Arsenal like to invert the left-back, one of the most common ways of getting us and hurting us is to attack that left-back position. Okay, so when Zinchenko was doing it, when he was inverting, it all worked fine. Okay, people had sussed it out. Of course, people begin to figure out what it is that your patterns of play look like, and they will take steps and measures. They're not stupid. They're Premier League level managers. They will begin to find ways of trying to punish you for that. And when we push our left back into midfield, because everybody knows we do it now, it's quite easy at times to drop a ball in over the top of the fullback, turn him around, get him running back. And then that means if Odegaard wants to go forward, if Havertz wants to go forward as well, then you're exposed. Declan Rice is exposed. So naturally, the two eights have to think about how they're going to support Declan Rice when the left back is being pinned back by opposition who want to exploit you in that area. Now, I'm not saying that Arsenal don't do it anymore in terms of inverting from the left back. And I'm not saying that Arsenal won't do that going forward. But what Mikel Arteta had to do was come up with a solution to the problem that we've had defensively on that left-hand side. Zinchenko hasn't had the greatest season, in my opinion. I think he's been good on the ball, but has he been as influential as he was last year? No, he hasn't. And the reason he hasn't been as influential is because people know what's coming now. And this is why in football, at the elite level, you have to constantly adapt. You have to constantly do things better. As a result of Zinchenko being out, Kivior has come in at left back. And people will say, well, Tomiyasu could do that job. I don't think Tomiyasu can invert effectively either. People will say Timber can, and I would agree that Timber can. But with Kivior in that defence, we were asking him essentially, in order to maintain the attacking five that Arsenal want to come at you with, we were asking Kivior to come in field, and Kivior was struggling. No doubt about that in my mind. 
So Mikel Arteta essentially was hanging Jakub Kivior out to dry because he was asking him to do a role that he just isn't cut out for, that he probably doesn't fully understand and that he certainly doesn't have the skill set to carry out week after week. Mikel Arteta realized that Jakub Kivior cannot keep inverting because if he does invert, it's exposing Gabriel, it's dragging Gabriel out left, it's causing the back three to have to spread and the back three to have to get into this position, but with very, very little benefit on the ball because Jakub Kivior isn't the line-breaking passer that Zinchenko is, and he certainly isn't a Jorginho in terms of being able to dictate the tempo and control the game from that midfield area. But there is somebody else in the back line that is better suited to doing that particular role. And that, of course, is this man, Ben White. Ben White has played at centre-back. He's played in central midfield in times uh, during his career as well. And in pushing Ben White into the midfield along with Rice, you then see the defence shift in a slightly different way. Gabriel moves into the central centre-back position. Saliba shifts out to the right and Kivior can tuck in into an area in which he's far more comfortable. White stepping up into midfield also has a knock-on effect on Martin Odegaard because where we were talking about Kai Havertz's forward thinking, Kai Havertz's clear instruction to get as close to the centre-forward at times when Arsenal are attacking, if the inversion was coming from the left-hand side, Declan Rice was having to cover all of this space here. And at times, even for somebody like Declan Rice, it would be too much. But with White coming in, Rice can shift across and cover the left-sided hole that Kai Havertz leaves with his aggressive running from deep. And with Ben White there, Martin Odegaard doesn't have to think about defending in that right-hand channel. And that is the only way that you get the front. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favourite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Five that Arsenal clearly want to attack with, plus the ability to progress the ball through the middle, as well as having that defensive core. You know, that five here of Kivior, Gabriel, Saliba at the back with Rice and White in front of them, that is as solid as you're going to get in terms of a, a sort of defensive five to protect you on the transition. And when teams want to hit us in wide areas and they want to come into these channels here, all these guys will do is usher these players into those wide areas, whether it be right or left, um, and, and allow their teammates to get back and support them. But they protect the width of the penalty area. And as a defensive five, um, that's as solid as you're going to get, I would argue. And all that time, while you're doing that, you allow these five the five that can do damage, Martinelli, Havertz, Trossard, Odegaard and Saka, all to have an element of freedom in their positioning, all to have the ability to stay high up the pitch and to make runs um, in between lines and find themselves pitching up in between midfields and defences. That is what it's all about. So Martin Odegaard has essentially had the shackles taken off of him 
um, by the fact that Mikel Arteta's decided to invert with Ben White because he no longer has to worry as much about that right-hand channel defensively. Now, if it was Granit Xhaka in the midfield rather than Kai Havertz, then Odegaard has less defensive responsibility because Granit Xhaka was quite happy to, to drop into those holes for Partey to shift slightly right. And that became a double pivot and Arsenal were able uh, to, to protect themselves against those situations. But because Kai Havertz is a forward by trade and because Mikel Arteta sees the value in Kai Havertz um, as, as being someone who can get up alongside the centre forward, who at times is our furthest forward uh, when we want to go that bit longer, he's much more adventurous than Xhaka and that means that someone in midfield, other than Declan Rice, has to be defensively switched on. Bringing White into the midfield rather than doing it from the left takes the shackles off of Martin Odegaard. And it's made the world of difference. He's had a free role. He's been able to drift into different positions. He's been able to go wide at times. And because he's got a free role and he can take up all different pockets of space, it also frees up Bukayo Saka. Bukayo Saka gets a lot more joy now because if he picks the ball up here and a, a defender comes out um, to to sort of uh, face him and, and a second defender comes to back them up, well, Martin Odegaard can come into the equation. And all of a sudden, you might be buying Bukayo Saka the few yards that he needs uh, to cause you all sorts of problems. We've seen Saka get close to Leandro Trossard at times in recent games and feed beautiful balls into the path of Bukayo Saka from which he's gone on to score. I know it sounds like, to some people, I might be overcomplicating this, but I really think that Mikel Arteta splits his team into two units, two groups. The defensive group and the defensive unit is made up of the back three when we're in possession with White pushed into midfield alongside Rice. That's what we've seen in the last couple of weeks. And then you've got the attacking five of Martinelli, Havertz, Trossard, Odegaard and Saka. Now, the front five are expected to get back and support when we're out of possession, when we lose the ball, when, uh, you know, things are happening on the transition. And one of the other responsibilities that the defensive five have, apart from, of course, uh, defending and doing the basics, is to progress the ball through the lines into this front five nice and quickly, nice and early. And that is how we get at teams. That's what it's all about. It's two units at the moment. You've got the defensive unit and you've got the attacking unit and they both work in unison. But of course, they all work in tandem, uh, five with five. And that is why Arsenal right now are looking so good. Now, I'm focusing specifically on Martin Odegaard because I really, really do believe that the inversion from the right-hand side, given Kai Havertz's aggressive nature in terms of how far forward he gets, has released Odegaard from the greater defensive responsibility that he had at the start of this season. And that might be part of why we weren't seeing the best of him. Knowing that he's got Ben White inverting from that right-hand side into that defensive midfield position gives him the extra bit of license to get forward, to get up alongside whoever the forward is, whether it be Trossard or Jesus, but also to double up with Bukayo Saka and cause teams all sorts of problems. Now, the other thing that I found really interesting this season is I think that we now press in a slightly different shape. And that is, again, 
a part of us wanting to find that balance between uh, being protected against the transition and uh, making sure that we're defensively solid. But also it's to do with, you know, where we want players to be when the ball does turn over and when we do pinch it back. So let me show you this as well. Now, this is Arsenal's, where is it? Hold on a second. There we go. Got the right button eventually. This is Arsenal's um, formation sort of loosely on paper. Now, a lot of the time when we're without the ball now, what you've seen, and we did it against Liverpool and we did it against West Ham and we did it at times against Burnley, is rather than it being us pressing with the three, with Trossard, with Martinelli, with Saka, and then having that second wave of press made up by the two eights and then the six being more aggressive in his positioning and the two centre-halves pushing up as close to halfway as possible with the full-backs in tandem doing so as well, we've seen a slight shift. Arsenal have reverted to more like something like this. Martinelli and Saka have both done a really good job of making sure they get back into a wide midfield position when Arsenal lose the ball. Rice will shift into a slightly right-sided position and Kai Havertz will drop in there as well. So what you essentially have is a flat four in midfield, a back four, a flat four in front of them, and then the two up front, and that will be Odegaard now because he's had those shackles taken off, will go up alongside Trossard or Jesus, whoever's playing as the false nine, and Arsenal will now be in a defensive shape like this. Now, why do they do that? Because the minute Arsenal pinch a ball back, Right. If if you press someone into giving a long ball and it comes through to Gabriel, for example, Gabriel now knows straight away. As soon as Gabriel receives that ball, that's the trigger point. Martinelli bombs on on the left. Saka bombs on. Odegaard is in that attacking line as well and can drop into those slightly deeper pockets. And, and those three can run off him. Um, Havertz will make a move for it as well. And it's about doing those things well, doing those things quickly and doing those things efficiently. Arsenal have a slightly different shape now when pressing defensively, but also you're seeing that two-unit setup, the five at the back, the five at the front, and the, the fluidity with which the attacking five can play has been the key, really, to why we've started scoring so many goals of late, in my opinion. And just to summarise, the inversion from the right-hand side has now relieved Martin Odegaard of a lot of the defensive responsibility he had at the start of the season in order to accommodate for the fact that we were playing with a far more attack-minded left-sided eight than we were at times last season. So that's my analysis on why Martin Odegaard has thrived in recent weeks and how Arsenal are currently setting up. Let me know what you think in the live comments. I'll come over to those uh, in just a second. I, I feel like I'm fed up of talking now. Uh, let's get you guys' thoughts from the live chat right after this. Okay, and let's have a look at what you guys uh, are saying. Um, Irfan on uh, Kai Havertz. There's so much Kai Havertz chat around at the moment. He says, I've come to terms with Kai not being a clinical goal scorer, but what he gives us is something we didn't have um, last season, which is making a difference. If our fan base come to terms with this, they'd sleep a lot better too. Yeah, for sure. Um, Kenneth says, I just hope the role whereby Odegaard has to lead the press when we're defending and drop deep to orchestrate build-up isn't too physically taxing for him as the season winds down to the business end. See, this is the thing, though. I don't think he does have to drop as deep when Ben White is inverting. 
And that's why he's been in those advanced positions a lot earlier and a lot sooner in the build-up, which is why he's finding the space to then use his incredible technical ability and brain to go and hurt teams. So I think this tweak has made a difference in that sense, in terms of he's no longer having to come as deep because Ben White can step into those areas and make up for the fact that Declan Rice isn't getting any help. Um, lots of praise for Jakob Kivior, and rightly so. I think he's been very, very good in recent weeks. Uh, BX Gunner says, it's no coincidence we look more fluid without Zinchenko. I still think there is a place for Zinchenko in this squad, okay? I think when Zinchenko came in last year, he made the world of difference, but it's been figured out a little bit, right? With Ben White playing at right back and let's say Jurian Timber when he's back fit and available playing at left back, you can vary it. One minute, the right back can invert. The next minute, the left back can invert because both of those players are capable of doing that. The problem we've had is that there's, the whole Zinchenko trick, it's become predictable. Everybody knows that Zinchenko is going to be the one to invert and therefore they take measures to stop that. And then they overload numbers on their right-hand side, our left-hand side, in order to try and catch Zinchenko out when he does that kind of, um, you know, that pre-rehearsed routine of inverting inside. Having variety to who inverts and when, I think is massive here. And for Mikel Arteta to, you know, have spent the time away trying to figure out a different way of doing things, not just for the benefit of Martin Odegaard, but for the benefit of Jakob Kivior too. I think is is really, really impressive management. Uh, GSM says that you're giving away our tactics. I'm sure Premier League clubs have far better analysis than me, man. Uh, <laughs> um, what else have we got? Uh, Sko says it's a number of things and I don't think it's just Dubai. No, we're not. We're kind of joking. It's tongue in cheek when we're saying it was the golden stake and the break to Dubai and all the rest of it. It's just given us an opportunity to reset. We could have done it at Bognor Regis for all I care. Um, but there has been you know, there has been a difference. Um, he says, I honestly think it may have been the plan to hold back in the first half of the season, saving legs compared to last year, avoiding burnout. Now the shackles are off and it's showtime. I, I don't think that we'd have deliberately said we're not going to play as well in the first half of the season, but I do think we worked on adapting our style to one that gave us greater control, but probably was less physically taxing uh, instead of playing that 100 mile an hour you know, swashbuckling football that we were. Um, Ian Wallace says, uh, got nothing to add. Uh, Harry said it all, I feel. Uh, I've loved the way we're winning the ball back. It's been instant in the last few games. Absolutely. And it's fair to point out that we've been doing this without first teamers as well. Partey, Jesus, obviously first choice, says Sko. Uh, he'd say that Timber is as well. Hard to tell as Zinchenko wasn't fit when Timber was, but at least I think so. Um, yeah. Brilliant stuff. Uh, Afsar says, moon the likes. Yes, guys, please do hit the like button if you haven't done so already. It really, really does help. This is a brief edition of the podcast. I only had that one um, sort of bit of analysis that I really wanted to home in on. I hope it's made sense. And um, for those of you that are listening on audio, I do advise you to come over and watch this one, maybe on YouTube. The link will be in the description just because I've got the visuals to help me. But I I'm going to summarize it once more, uh, for those of you that are maybe um, just joining us, um, the, 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 the analysis on Martin Odegaard um, and why I think Mikel Arteta's tactical tweak has brought the best out of him in recent weeks, but has also brought the best out of Jakob Kivior. So 
as I said, right at the top, I keep pressing the wrong button when doing this. This is shocking. As I said at the top of the podcast, Arsenal spent all of last season looking to invert from the left back. And in the absence of Zinchenko, a player that's had constant injury issues really uh, since coming to Arsenal, and with Tommy Asu being at the Asian Cup and Jurian Timber suffering that injury, at times Jakub Kivior's had to play at left back. We all know that Jakub Kivior struggles to invert. Uh, because he's not that ball progressor that Zinchenko is. So in putting him into that position where he's required to invert, what you are doing is you are taking him out of his comfort zone, putting him into the midfield, but you're also not really gaining the benefits on the ball because Jakob Kivior is not that type of player. As a result of Kai Havertz coming into the team instead of Granit Xhaka, Arsenal have a slightly different balance in midfield. Kai Havertz is much more forward-thinking than Granit Xhaka was. Lacks the defensive awareness, I would argue, that Granit Xhaka had naturally playing most of his career as a six. But there is also something in the fact that Mikel Arteta's instruction to Kai Havertz would be get up alongside the forward as much as you can. We want to use your frame. We want to use your body. And we want you to give us that more direct approach at times as well which is exactly what Kai Havertz does. But that meant that Martin Odegaard couldn't be as loose in his positioning and probably had to start a lot deeper in the build-up at times to make sure that Declan Rice, as brilliant as he is, isn't left alone in the middle of the park and expected to fend for himself. It's just basic stuff, right? No matter how good the midfielder is, you leave him alone against the swarm of three, four players, he's going to struggle at times. Martin Odegaard's reluctance to get further forward earlier and, you know, the need for him to drop into slightly deeper positions, I think, has at times made him less effective this season. And so if you've got Odegaard having to drop deeper, you're not getting the best out of him. And if you're asking Kivior to come inside and play in a position that doesn't really suit him, you're not getting the best out of him either. Where the change has come in the last couple of games is that Mikel Arteta's looked at Jakob Kivior and gone, actually, you're better suited to being a part of my back three when we are in possession. And um, an Odegaard, if I'm not getting the best out of you, then I've got to think seriously about that as well. So the solution has been to take the shackles off of Martin Odegaard and allow him to join in with the front five, as he did so effectively last season. And rather than inverting from the left with Jakob Kivior, to invert from the right with Ben White, who is much more natural uh, when it or looks much more natural when it comes to tucking into the midfield. And so Arsenal's back three shifts across like this. Rather than Saliba being the central point, it's now Gabriel. Kivior tucks into a left centre-back position in which he's very, very comfortable. And Arsenal break into two units, the front five and the defensive five. Now, the job of the defensive five, other than defending, obviously, is to move the ball into the forward line nice and early. And with the fluidity that you get from having the likes of Trossard, Havertz, Odegaard and Saka, as well as Martinelli in that area, means that Arsenal have been causing teams all sorts of problems. Last season, it was pretty similar in terms of the front five and having that defensive five, but Zinchenko was the one that would come inside and work alongside Thomas Partey. With Zinchenko, though, not always available, as I've said, and maybe things becoming a little bit stale in terms of people have sussed out exactly what Zinchenko does. Arsenal need to vary up a little bit. So the ability to invert from the right with somebody like Ben White, who clearly has the skill set, has given us some variation and taken the shackles off of our captain, Martin Odegaard, who is in fine, fine form. 
there you go. That's my summary there. Um, that was much more concise the second time around, wasn't it? But it was much clearer in my head at uh, that time. Don't forget to leave a like on the video. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. It really, really does help. Um, if you're listening to us on audio, please do leave us a review and we'll be back very, very soon with more Arsenal content coming to you Tuesday mid-morning. We're previewing that big one in the Champions League as Arsenal take on FC Porto. What a game we've got coming up, of course. We're back in the big time. Can we make our mark? Fingers crossed that we can. I'll catch you all soon. Until the next one, take care of yourselves. Leave your thoughts in the comments section below. Goodbye. Goodbye.